Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Moving the Pile. This is your host, Kevin Cox. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Director of the Indiana State Department of Agriculture, Bruce Kettler. Bruce, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. It's always a, a great opportunity to be able to visit with our farmers and uh, great agriculture industry. So I certainly appreciate the invitation. Well, very good. I, you know, I, you've been the director now of the, the State Department of Ag for the last couple of years. I, I just got to ask, Bruce, how did you wind up in this role? Well, I, I, it was not something that I sought out. Let's put it that way. Been in, involved in agriculture and uh, love the industry. It's a, certainly an important part of who I am. I've had a lot of different roles and certainly have been involved in a number of different areas of agriculture. And so I, I hope that my experience and breadth in those areas previously uh, were something that, uh, that uh, you know, when I was asked to consider uh, was helpful to be able to do that. In this case, uh, it, it really makes you stop and think that it might be a, a good opportunity to be able to serve an industry that you love. Very good. Well, Indiana is relatively new to having a Department of Agriculture. And can you, can you tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about what, what they do and what the focus is? Yeah, you're right. Uh, we, we are. Uh, as a department, it wasn't formed until 2005 under the Mitch Daniels administration, which makes us really fairly young, especially compared to a lot of our counterparts. And, you know, we're, we're organized and focused uh, a little bit differently than a lot of other uh, eight departments of agriculture in other states. Uh, we don't have a significant regulatory function within our department. So that allows us as an agency or as a department uh, really to, to kind of focus on several different things. And, for example, the state FFA uh, association and organization is the leadership is in our department of agriculture here, which allows us to connect to the young people and the leadership opportunities for our young people in agriculture and agriculture education. Uh, we have a, an economic development division within our department. Uh, again, very different from a lot of other states. So, you know, a lot of what we try to do with our goals and objectives in the department uh, are to find ways to to focus on the farmers and the agriculture businesses that support farmers and what they might be able to do in Indiana. If they want to grow and expand in Indiana, or if we need to recruit new businesses into Indiana that will support our agriculture efforts, we've got a team that's that's working on that. And then, of course, we have a communications team. We have a policy team that works with not only our, our state uh, uh, legislators, also have that connection with our federal legislators in Washington, D.C. from an agriculture perspective. So we, we were pretty varied, but the, the neat thing is it's a, it's a little different. It's not all regulatory, so we're able to, to kind of have a, a very different lens for the industry in the state of Indiana because of that. I was wanting to talk to you a little bit about a couple of programs that the Indiana Corn Marketing Council and the Indiana Soybean Alliance teams are working on, and that's the Infield Advantage and the Indiana Ag Nutrient Alliance. Uh, the Infield Advantage really focuses on letting farmers try to, you know, different and various practices and trials to, to discuss with other farmers and determine what might work on their farms. You know, how, how does your team work with these kind of programs? Yeah, Infield in Advantages is, is just a really neat program. You know, it's it's an opportunity I, I didn't mention in just a little bit ago. Uh, our largest division is the our division of soil conservation, and really that's where we are connected with uh, 
uh, infield advantage. So our, our soil conservation team uh, works with Indiana corn and soybean on this. Looking at data across other fields and other situations is helpful. But as we all know, if we're going to be better and get better as farmers and be more efficient, we need to know what's happening on our farm. Then, then we're able to, to use some of the tools that uh, allow us to make better decisions by looking at that information and, and then comparing it. And, and one of the things, Kevin, that I think is the, the neatest part of the Infield Advantage program is that you've got, you've got small groups of farmers that in, in the off part of the season here coming into the wintertime, They'll get together and look at the data and information uh, from those farms and be able to share information about, hey, I, I performed this new uh, uh, tactic and this is what it did for me, or maybe more importantly, what it didn't do for me, and share that with a small group of farmers that are like-minded in your efforts. So you, you really find a way to then learn from the other people in the program to optimize what you're looking to do. So how do producers get involved in this program, Bruce? It's best if they, they just reach out to us or Indiana Corn and uh, Corn Marketing Council and Indiana Soybean and say, I want to participate in Infield Advantage. Okay. So as far as the Department of Ag, alongside with the Corn Marketing Council and the Soybean Alliance, uh, another one of the programs that they're involved in is the Ag Nutrient Alliance. Um, how, how, how do you see those goals and how would you describe that organization? Well, I, I think the the effort for the Indiana Ag Nutrient Alliance, again, through uh, our involvement as the State Department of Agriculture is through our soil conservation division. And so what what has happened is that group has said, okay, if we're going to be able to continue to be able to make farmers successful, allow them to be uh, profitable and continue to be sustainable long term, there's some goals that we have to look at in terms of, of nutrient management plans or getting people to be very regular about their soil testing, for example. Uh, maybe, maybe somebody wants to know how to implement cover crops on their acres. So there's a lot of different tools and parts, and those goals have been set forth by the Indiana Ag Nutrient Alliance to be able to make sure that we're utilizing nutrients only when and where we need to, and then finding other ways such as, as soil test cover crops to be able to implement on farms and again sharing that information but collaborating with all of the groups that are involved. Well I know this is a little different direction but Indiana's had a strategic focus around the rural economic development under the governor and lieutenant governor you know the Indiana Soybean Alliance and the Indiana Corn Marketing Council have long been uh, proponents that the farm community you know is a, is a central catalyst for these rural economies but that right. doesn't always translate very well with uh, the general public. So how do you address the value that we create as producers and as a farm community, how that we can continue to be an economic driver? So here's what, what I say, and, and, and I want to focus on farmers that are listening to the podcast especially. When, when we think about our counties and our communities in Indiana, and we think about our main streets and our towns or cities in those areas, well, let's not only think about what a lot of people think of as the businesses. Maybe it's the bank, maybe it's a gas station, coffee shop, a restaurant, whatever it might be. We need to start thinking about our farms as businesses. So I think we, as farmers and pe people involved in agriculture in Indiana, have to try to help change that a little bit. And by that, our farmers, our farms, are you Chamber of Commerce members in your county or in your community? 
are you participating with your local economic development organizations and professionals and, and helping to educate them about the impact of a business that your farm is? If you think about the, the value of the land that a farm has, if you think about if we've got a livestock facility, for example, there is a lot of money invested in a business in that community. So as farmers, I want to encourage people, become chamber members, get involved with the local economic development organization, maybe even participate or be on their board so that you bring that voice of agriculture and farming into that. And I think that's where we can really create a lot better value for our rural areas in Indiana. You look forward at the next three to five years from the role that you serve in. Uh, where do you see those opportunities for Indiana corn and soybean producers? Where do you see that that light at the end of the tunnel for us, Bruce? Yeah, I I think for, again, it goes back to the word I used earlier. There's really good collaboration among all the entities, whether that's Indiana corn and soybean, the various livestock groups, our department, uh, and, and other organizations, including you know, uh, our educational institutions and so forth. Value at, I sometimes you'll hear it referred to as value added agriculture. So whether that's corn, it's soybeans, or the, uh, the, the pork and poultry that the corn and soybeans are feeding, let's find ways to be able to add value to the production that we have in the state. Because when we add value, if we do that in the state of Indiana, a couple things happen. One, we keep or we add jobs into our rural communities here in the state of Indiana. We bring that tax base here. There's a lot of benefits to our communities to do that. So for the next three to five years, I think continuing to find ways to add value to the crops and livestock that we produce in Indiana uh, is really going to be valuable and helpful to the state as a whole and make our farmers profitable and more sustainable. Well, Bruce, I want to thank you for taking time to speak with us today and participate in our podcast. Uh, we really appreciate the, uh, the opportunity that we have to work with the Indiana State Department of Agriculture and with you specifically and your staff. We appreciate your insights and your leadership, and we look forward to that ongoing and strong partnership help support the Indiana corn and soybean farmers because ultimately that supports the Hoosier State. Thank you, Bruce, for your time, and thank you for participating today. My pleasure. Thank you. Our listeners, thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back soon with more updates on what your corn and soybean checkoffs are doing to keep your corn and soybeans moving. If you want notification on new episodes as they become available, test checkoff to 31996. That's text checkoff to 31996. Visit the corn and soybean website or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Well, to now I'd like to introduce Ed Ebert. Ed is the uh, Senior Director of Grain Production and Utilization at the Indiana Soybean and Indiana Corn. Uh, and uh, Ed, at this time, is going to give us his uh, forecast and thoughts on the current corn and bean markets. Ed, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Kevin, and welcome to another market update. A question you might have is, why are ag commodity prices so much higher this year? for both corn and soybean. Record export sales to global customers for corn, soybeans, and livestock products are a big part of that reason. Reduced outlook on U.S. production and supply by USDA throughout the growing season is another reason. 
China needs corn, soybeans, wheat, poultry, beef, and pork, which has led to dramatic price increases. In addition to supply and demand, the Indiana Soybean Alliance and Indiana Corn Marketing Council partner with international organizations dedicated to increasing livestock and grain exports around the globe. Partnership with the U.S. Grains Council and the United States Soybean Export Council creates export market opportunities for corn, soybeans, and their products. Partnership with the USA Poultry and Egg Export Council and the U.S. Meat Export Federation promote livestock exports to global markets. In addition to these international relationships, we also have many long-term relationships with organizations and customers within our state. Partnerships with Indiana Farm Bureau, the Indiana State Department of Agriculture, Indiana Pork, Beef, and Dairy and Poultry Associations are all key to success. The Indiana farmer is receiving the benefit of these long-term programs and relationships, with all programming revolving around messages of quality, sustainable production, food safety protocols, USDA-inspected, and logistical execution. In addition, many of our international programs also have very specific program oriented towards assisting Indiana-based companies in exporting products to overseas customers. Looking at futures markets here on December 7, 2020, we see March corn futures trading at 4.23. That's down about 10 cents from their high of 4.33. And we see January soybean futures trading at 11.58. That's down about 42 cents from their absolute high of $12, touched on during an intermarket session here about three weeks ago. Again, the market is looking for additional information in terms of any additional export sales, what's going on in terms of crop weather in South America, and also starting to look forward to acreage allocations and planning intentions for U.S. farmers for the coming spring campaign. Looking at the U.S. corn balance sheet, there's a lot of good news on this balance sheet, significantly with carryout stock reduced since the WASD back in June. At that point, we were estimating 3.3 billion bushels of corn carryout stocks for this crop year of 2021. Now we're only 1.7 billion bushels, which is about cut in half. So that is a significant reduction. When we look at the overall rank for this crop, in terms of total supply available, which is carryout plus the production, this is the third largest crop in history in terms of total supply. Exports are number one, and when we look at total usage, which uses both all domestic use and exports together, this is still now the number one year in terms of overall demand for corn in the U.S. The U.S. soybean balance sheet is very, very similar in terms of overall rank. This is again the third largest total supply crop in history, which again is carry out plus production for this year. And it's the number one domestic use year with crush at 2.18 billion bushels, a new record. And exports now at 2.2 billion bushels, which again is number one. So with both domestic and exports both at records, this no surprise that this is again the number one year for total usage and demand here in the U.S. for soybean. So what does this mean for corn and soybean markets? Commodity prices have significantly improved. Export sales have been stellar for all ag products. Delayed plantings and uncertain weather in South America, specifically Brazil, have built risk premiums into the marketplace. Now again, you have to watch that weather in South America because any improvement in their conditions will obviously have impact on price. USDA has lowered crop production estimates for both corn and soybeans throughout our growing season this past year. Carryout stocks in both soybeans and corn are at multi-year lows. Continued COVID spread threatens additional lockdown procedures which would impact global demand. And global crush margins right now are under some pressure with dislocated demand between meal and oil. 
That's about all the time we have for this Moving the Pile podcast. I look forward to speaking with you again soon.